Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the house of the shepherd and bishop of our souls, the Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi podcast. This is Fred Alexander Oyola, the pastor here at Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. Glad you took time to join us today. Karibu sana. May the Lord bless you, even in the midst of all this craziness, all this uncertainty, and may he bless you to immense fruitfulness. Some quick announcements, as we always do it over here at NC Embakasi. <laughs> Bible reading is still going on. We hope you are reading your Bible. We will remind you of our Bible reading plan until you begin to read your own Bible. We hope your Bible is not those ones that are gathering dust somewhere on the shelf or on the top of the table somewhere. We are on 2 Kings and our Bible study hung out on the 26th of April, which probably tonight when you're hearing this, will be over the 1st of Kings, on the book of 1st of Kings. We are moving, man, we are moving. So read your Bible, pray every day if you want to. Grow. There you go. We began a new sermon series this month, simply called The Family. God placed it in my heart to talk about this magnificent unit, this powerful institution called The Family. We started off week one by looking at the genesis of the family through the lens of Genesis 1 and 2. We looked at the Kenyan dream and how dangerous it is, especially with how it puts us on the hedonic treadmill where we simply attain without any real purpose. I hope anything and everything you're trying to attain in your life has a purpose attached to it. Hopefully, God's purpose. If it doesn't have it, I'm sorry, you are on a treadmill that will lead you to nothingness, even after attaining whatever it is you want to attain. We finish by saying that what God commanded about subduing the earth still applies today. And... As we live in this very materialistic world, uh, where the Kenyan dream still rules, we need to remember God's command that the earth is for our subduing, not the other way around. In the second week, we looked at the fatherhood, at fatherhood, sorry, and looked at some reasons why just the mention of the title brings so much issues in our times today. We looked at the biblical examples of some bad fathers and good fathers, and then reminded each other that. Despite the bad rep it has gained, fatherhood was still designed by God and it is still very good. We finish by looking at the qualities of a father, of priest, protector, provider, prophet, and declared that underneath each is a principle of presence that must be forever carried out as we carry out each task in fatherhood. This we said is because God's best quality is our father is that he is present, and as such, we must emulate him in being the light to this dark world in fatherhood. Last week, we looked at motherhood. Oh, the mothers in the room. Just the mention of the name mother brings awes like never before. <laughs> Unlike fatherhood that is most in a twist, it is appreciated but just like fatherhood, it is changing. It is changing. And 
It is not just on the basis of presence, but on whether one is enough or not. Are you mother enough? That's the question. The world is helping pit mothers against each other and it is high time they go back to God's word and confirm the fact that our father who art in heaven is also our mother who gathers us like the hen gathers her chicks. Check out Anchor FM, just the podcast that you're listening to, in case you missed it, where all our messages are posted. Today we're looking into childhood, children, kids, and let's go straight to the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, where we'll read it for the very last time this month. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15, I'm reading from the NIV. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the god of gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, prepare our hearts for the sharing of your word. Thank you for seeing us through the month. And our prayer today, Jehovah, is for this one last time from the series of family that you will speak to us. Help us, Jehovah, to understand and to apply every tenet from your word. May we be found faithful in everything you call us to. In Jesus' name, we all shout, Amen. Kenya has about 1.5 million births per year, which roughly translates to about 5,000 daily births. Hey, we are giving birth, man. In terms of applying the first command in the Bible, we are doing very well. Apple, we have a star. Eh? We are faithful. We are good stewards in terms of giving birth. Like we said last week, though, with 50% of our homes without fathers, which roughly translates to 2,500 children, and the remaining 50% parented by the house helps, which translates to 1,250, most of our children are ending up neglected, believe it or not. So from a rough estimate of 5,000 babies, about 3,750 end up neglected. Think about that. We are so busy making the moolah that our children are nowadays interruptions and a hindrance to our freedom and our big dreams of having great careers. Everyone you talk to today is I am making my career path. I am aligning myself to that great career position. There is nothing wrong. But is it on the heads of our children? That's the question. Like we said in the first week and last week, the Kenyan dream has, so, has, has, has so wrapped up in the hedonic treadmill that our desires have simply moved and settled in the selfish want of self-satisfaction and fulfillment. Our drive for self has taught those coming behind us that it matters above everything else and no wonder pregnancy then is viewed as an interruption to this goal. This has also helped drive abortion to where it is now, believe it or not. Ten years ago, it was almost half a million cases world, a countrywide per year aborted children. Imagine that. These healthy and recorded abortions. So the figure is, is way, way higher, higher than that. 
What of today though? Can you imagine the numbers? Hey, if we continue focusing on self, people, our next generation will be no more. It's time we went back to what God says about the next generation. Genesis 1.28, God commands the man and the woman to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over every fish and animal on earth. Jump to Genesis 3, 6, 15 and 16. God is delivering the curse to the serpent, to Eve and then to Adam. He tells the serpent and Eve that their offspring will forever have enmity, always desiring to cripple and kill the other. He tells the woman that with pain she'll always deliver her offspring. A process for the entry of the offspring into life was forever cursed, and with pain they come into a world that is already cursed and full of pain. One preacher said that our offsprings entering into the world is definitely of pain because to check that they're alive on birth, they're given a bit of pain and their painful cry introduces them into this pain-filled world. Think about that. Each one of us cried at birth. Hey, what an introduction. All that said, we must always remember that just like fatherhood, just like motherhood, Childhood is from God and is a blessing. Having children declares God's blessing over our lives. Not having children also declares God's blessing of our lives. I need to say that. Just in case we are talking our own things, we are saying our own things. Let's read King Solomon's 127th Psalm. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents. In court, God is simply telling us that the house, our home, our homes need him. Our homes need him. As the builder and in building this house, he grants us gifts of children or the gift of children. Who when gotten in young age, God says, are a blessing to the parents in many ways that include protecting them. God is telling us back in the day it, it was a gift to get your kids early when you're still young so that you can grow together with them. There's no point getting your kid when you're 80 like Sarah and Abraham. They had the gift of the grace from God of staying to see their children mature into adulthood. Nowadays it's not really that easy, that simple. So there's some advice there to think about. But we must consistently remember before Mwanza Kurushia Mtungaji Mawe that even in getting the gift of babies, consult with the Lord. Over consult. Jehovah, I desire. Is this the time? Guide me, O King of Kings. But pastor, here's a question. What if I have been waiting for the baby? I've asked the Lord. Years on end, have waited long for this gift. What do I do, man of God? Umesema, this is a gift that comes from heaven, from God himself. 
to our homes. I need to remind you that Sarah, remember? Abraham's wife, the mother of Isaac. Remember Rebecca, Isaac's wife? Remember Anna, Samuel's, Samuel's mom? Remember? Do you remember these ladies? Sarah, the mom to Isaac. Rebecca, the wife to Isaac. Remember these ladies? All these ladies waited long. Remember Elizabeth in the New Testament. She waited for so long for a baby. But what are we told in scripture? They got their babies eventually. I believe God showed us that to allow us to see his mercy, his kindness, his goodness as concerns the gift of children. And if God can do it for them, hallelujah, God can do it for you. Don't lose hope. One of the most powerful verses that I love is in the book of Genesis where Re Rebecca has waited for so long for a baby and we are told Isaac, her husband, prays for her to get a baby and she gets the baby. And not just a baby, twins, believe it or not. Come on. God hears prayers. The thing we can never forget is any gift given by God is the universal rule of a gift, which is that the giver of the gift always expects the gift given to be taken care of well. The same is true for children. We as the parents must take care of the children we are given. This is our gift back to God. One of the things I must consistently remind us as well, though, is that there are children who are gifts from God, but are lying somewhere with nobody to call a parent. You know what I'm talking about? Kids in the foster home. Adoption. This is something that we, we don't speak about as often from our pews, especially in our continent in Africa. I urge you by the masses of God to consider adoption as a way to get children in your home. As a way that maybe God is leading you to those that are orphaned, those that have been dumped, Many are dumped every single day. And so they're in homes. Two, three years ago, there were about 40,000 in number. You can imagine the number today. So consider adoption as well as a way that maybe God is directing you to get a gift of a child. But in the giving of the gift, in the receiving of the gift, we must always remember that gifts are given to be taken care of. God expects that when he gives you the baby, the child, you must take care of them well. The question then becomes, what heritage or inheritance and reward do we give back to God as concerns the children? How do we celebrate the gifts? How do we take care of them? How do we Show Jehovah, thank you, through the gifts that he's given us. Number one, spiritual heritage. We must leave a spiritual heritage, a good spiritual heritage to our children. Deuteronomy 11, 18, 21 tells us the following. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Come on, the number one gift and inheritance to give our children is the legacy of God's word. God promises to give them long life as a result. God is pushing us to live out our faith in the public and mostly in private as well so that our children might know the truth of what real faith looks like. Living out real faith will walk with them through life like nothing else will, I kid you not. Even if they manage to attain everything in the Kenyan dream, from marriage to 10 WhatsApp groups and everything in between, God's word will prevent them from being the best they can be and direct them to being what God created them to be. Guys, parents, fathers, mothers, it is not about helping your children be the best they can be. It is about helping your children to be what God created them to be. We need to change the narrative. We need to change what we are telling our kids. It is about being the best of what God created them to be. If you agree with that, say my amen. Mm. Number two, we need to leave a heritage of a good name. Proverbs 17.6 tells us that children's children are the crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Proverbs 22 verse 1 tells us that a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Parents are the pride of children. Only if... Uh -huh, they leave the children with a good name. The power and currency of a good name is a blessing to our offspring. A good name gives confidence, honor, favor, doors open. A good name gives peace. No enemies, even for a generation. May it never be that our children will ever be ashamed of the names we leave them with. What name are you leaving your child? Are you leaving your child with the name of the father who was never present? Are you leaving your child with the name of the mother who always wanted to be excellent? Superman. Are we leaving our children with the names of thieves? Guys who stole to make our lives better. Are we leaving our children with the name of... Hey, let me even not go there. Number three, we must leave our children with a heritage of good memories. What will our children remember of their childhood? Are we investing in giving them good memories? Or are we concerned about giving them the good things we never had? Ask anyone up out there today whether they wish they had more growing up or better memories growing up. Ask the question. I, I, I dare... I dare you re respond to this. Do you remember the good things you are given? Or do you remember the good memories? And not just remember. Which ones do you prefer? Do you remember even the toys you received when you were four years old? Or do you remember the good memories you had? Any differences of feuds you have with our spouses should end with us. Are we concerned about giving them good things? Or are we concerned about giving things we never had?
Are we concerned about giving them the good memories of places they can remember? Or are we concerned about giving them things that just remind them of the goodness of family? Where are you? What are you giving your spouse? Also, also your children? Ask anyone out there. Ask. Ask the question. What do you prefer? What did you prefer growing up? Any differences or fields you have should end with us. They should end with us. Whatever it is that you experienced back then, whether it was good or bad, sour, moving on, let's invest on good experiences from now. These experiences are visiting grandparents, family vacations, fun times playing in the river, such things. Whatever it is, sit down and uh, walk, take walks with your children. These are remembered and treasured more than things. What, how, how is your past? Is it good? Is it bad? Was your parent there? Was your parent not there? What did they do? How, did, how, did, how does it still make you feel? You see that? That feeling, whether good or bad, it stops with you. Choose today. Any feuds you had should end with you. Any annoying things that happen, it should end with you. If you're listening to me today, it should end with you. Let's move on. Number four. We should leave our children the heritage of training for character. We should leave our children the heritage of disciplining for character. In Africa, we are doing very well. <laughs> Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us to train up our children. Discipline our children in the way they should go. And when they have grown up, they will not depart from it. This one we are doing well. But there is a conditional clause. Wait for it. Let's train our children to live with integrity. Let's train our children to live in community. Let's train our children to honor those that are older. Let's train our girl child to be um, Proverbs 31 women. Uh, Proverbs 31 women. Let's train our boy child to be the leaders God has created them to be. Let's train our children to be strong in character, to be secure with a healthy self-esteem so, th so that they can stand tall in the world. Are you training or disciplining your children? Ama, have you left them to the world? If you don't, the world will train them. We were never taught about taxes. We never taught about tax returns. Look at us today. The world taught us how to do tax returns. And I know you can relate. What are you teaching your kids? Do your kids know the value of community? Family. The word of God. What are you training them? Are you disciplining your kids? Or are you the 21st or 22nd century parent who is like, no, I will not touch my children. They do not need discipline. The Bible says it is important. Foolishness, the Bible says, lies in the heart of children. Are you going to leave it there or are you going to help remove it? But in disciplining, guys, hey, we must be careful. We must be careful. Before you even get into that, have you ever met a 30, 40-year-old who behave like they are still 10 or 14? Chances are they were never trained. Are you disciplining? But here are the, here are the conditional clauses. Number one, in training, may we forever remember that it must come from a point of love. Proverbs 3:11 and 12 tell, tell us the following. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Training 
and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. Those who discipline and train their children well are those who do so from a point of love. It must be from a point of love. Discipline isn't fun for any parties involved, but Solomon says that both God and the good parent will discipline the children they love. This verse is encouraging but challenging. It's encouraging because it shows that parental discipline is a mark of love. It's challenging because the way you discipline your children will influence the way your children think of God's love and discipline. How are you disciplining? Is it from a point of love? Am it from a point of hate? Am it from a point of fun? You love it when you're beating up your child. When you're telling them to go to the corner, it makes you have a high of sorts. Stop it, parent. Stop it. That is not the Lord's discipline. The Lord's discipline is hard. It's difficult. It's painful even to administer. Maybe be those who train in love. Number two, in training, may you forever remember that you must train in the, in the, in the gentle care of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4 warns us fathers, mothers as well, don't exasperate or frustrate and irritate your children. Instead, bring them up in the careful training and instruction of the Lord. God's care of us has been described in Scripture as patient and long-suffering. This means he wishes the best for us every time and longs that we don't perish and such will be very gentle with us, especially when in the wrong. Look at the Scriptures. It is all over the Bible. He is the God of wrath, yes, but also the God of mercy, full of mercy and grace. His grace and mercy of our lives speaks volumes and should be a quality we carry in training our children. Number three, in training, may we forever remember that we must train to encouragement and never to discouragement. Colossians 3.21 warns us fathers to never provoke our children lest they become discouraged. Hey, we cannot train up our children through hovering over them like hawks at all times. Neither can we demand our kids perform at a certain level or, or, or else. Our training must be covered with a lot of encouragement. We might be annoyed with them, but communicate it in a way that doesn't make them lose heart or worse still break their spirit. We should never break the spirits of our kids in the name of discipline. You are showing them how worthless they are and you're killing the spirit of your child. Stop it, parent. Train them in encouragement. It is so important to even tell the child why you're disciplining them and minimize the pain. I'm not saying do not administer pain. I'm saying don't extend the pain to levels that it is not necessary. It is not necessary to give your kid 20 hours of punishment. It may be just 30 minutes, but a very careful 30 minutes. We should encourage our children in discipline, not discourage them. Don't break their spirit. Number four, in training... May we forever remember that we must train our children and leave the end result of their character to God. Generally speaking, well-trained kids become principled adults. So let's train well. The book of Proverbs is filled with principles for making godly decisions and leading a godly life. However, it's not a book of absolute promises. 
The Proverbs are general statements about how life works. And the Bible itself shows us a lot of exceptions that prove the rules. Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, is a prime example. His son Rehoboam was presumably raised to fear God and rule the country well. However, after Solomon's death, Rehoboam's hot-headed leadership split the kingdom of Israel apart. Let's train well, then leave it all to God. Our goal should not be to have the best form of discipline. Our eggs should never be just placed all in the ways of discipline. It is not about how we discipline. It is about who we leave our children to. Who is Jehovah? That is Jehovah. It is not about the process that you use in discipline. It is about who you surrender your child to. So the question is, what, what do you believe in? Do you believe in your discipline methods? Or do you believe that your child is in the hands of God? At the end of the day, remember Proverbs are not God's promises over us. They are wisdom. If we do them, there is a high likelihood that whatever it is that you follow will turn out okay. But it is not a promise. Remember that. We should leave all our discipline methods, all our heart's desires, all our goals for the future, all our hopes for our children in the hands of God. It goes back to the spiritual heritage conversation. What do you believe in? Is it in discipline or in Jehovah? Number five, we should leave our children with the heritage of material wealth. We've said number one, we should leave our children with a good spiritual heritage. Leave them, number two, with the heritage of a good name. Number three, with the heritage of good memories. Number four, with the heritage of training, disciplining for character. Number five, we should leave our children with the heritage of material wealth. Eat unelewa very well. Proverbs 13.22 tells us that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Like we saw when looking at fatherhood, there are numerous examples of good men that left vast amounts of wealth for their sons. Abraham and his nephew Lot were left so much wealth by their respective fathers that living together became impossible. There was not enough room to hold both of them. Remember? If you look at the Old Testament, this is the norm. It happens to Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, King Solomon, and on and on and on. You know the examples of men from our culture today. We know them that have done this and continue to do this very well. We marvel at this when they do it. We're like, what? how is this possible? God has done it and done it so well by giving us a deposit guaranteeing our future inheritance. We have it in Christ. We have been adopted into the family of Jehovah. Now we have a future, an inheritance, eternal life. Come on. As Jehovah Jireh provides for us, may we forever be stewards to provide for the present and future of our children and even to their children. Guys, that's the law. Let's do it. Finally, number six, may we leave our children the heritage of love for one another in our families. In John 13, 30, uh, 34 and 35, Jesus tells us that a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our marriages, guys, are not our own. Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. 
you know this through the scriptures. Our marriages are not about us. Yes, we take the vows, but it is not about us. Like we said in the first week, God's plan for the institution of marriage is that it reveals and shows powerfully the union between Christ and his church. So our marriages are about the glory of Christ and as such are to make us holy, not happy. When we, the adults, are deeply wounded and emotionally dysfunctional because of the mental tensions and separations or breakups of our parents, we are likely to color the child's definition of love. The first example of love is learned from us, the parents, and how we, the parents, relate. And so when there are differences in the marriage or in the relationship, the children need to see love, godly love, and godly anger as well, and the model of restoration of relationships. What are your kids seeing, guys? Is your child seeing God's love? You are the picture. You are the picture of Christ and his ways to your children. We are the picture of Christ to our children. What love are they seeing? They will know love when they see us love. That's what Christ has said. Love each other well. Because that way, our kids will know love. Guys, the world today isn't as much concerned about the next generation. But from God's word, it's very clear that most of the stuff God talks about also vastly concerns the next generation. Look at all of Genesis to Revelation. It's about the next generation. Let's heed to God's call for our future. Let's heed to God's call for our next generation. Let's heed to God's call for our children and their children. Parents, choose ye today whom you will serve. 